Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessie Park Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah for a little bit of talking tactics, looking at, yes, none other than Emma Hayes' favourite toy, Chelsea number 10s. Um, Abdullah, why don't you tell us a bit about why we decided to do this episode? So, in the last probably about two, three weeks, I've just been on this midfield sort of obsession where I'm looking at I've just happened to look at two number 10s and they both happen to play for Chelsea and they both happen to be two different sorts of players so it just kind of gave me the idea that hey you know what we should do it's an international break we should we should talk about tactics and midfielders and number 10s that I've written about recently just to be fair the Jesse Fleming one wasn't even planned but it happened but anyway I've written about Yelena Kankovic and, and Jesse Fleming and kind of what they bring to the team and, and what I thought stood out for both of them that's that's different and, and, and all that. And I just thought, you know, why don't we why don't we do a podcast episode on this? Because it seems it seems to get a decent reception and, and what people wanted to hear, see. So I thought maybe explaining it on over a podcast in, in, in audio form might be the way to go. Yeah, and I think I think it's a really interesting thing to have a conversation about because, you know, we do joke that Emma Hayes loves 10s, but, you know, Chelsea haven't necessarily always played with, a, like, a traditional 10 role, but it's clearly a profile of player Emma Hayes likes, I think, maybe because of the versatility, and there are a number of players who can do that role in the squad. Um, we're today, I think, predominantly going to focus on Yelena Kankovic, Jesse Fleming and Frank Herbie. But obviously, there's Penila Harder to touch on, there's Lauren James to touch on, there's plenty of players who who fit that role. And obviously, all of this kind of comes in the context as well of like the departure of Jisoo Young at the end of last season, who had obviously um, kind of taken that real bulk of the creative work at Chelsea for... Oof, a huge number of years now, you know, what, like seven or eight years. Um, so, you know, Chelsea this season have been looking to to fill that gap, even though G didn't play, you know, as much over the past season as she had in previous years. But it's kind of been an interesting vacuum. And I think it's been really interesting to see how Emma Hayes has juggled these different types of players because none of them have really got a whole bunch of minutes. Um, there are different reasons for that. And then we'll talk about that. But I think it's still clear that, you know, Hayes maybe sees some of these players as being used for different purposes. So I think what we want to do today is is take a look at why that might be and, you know, what are the differences between them and, and who we think you can expect to see when. Um, I know it's very easy, like, I think, to latch on to certain players and be like, I want to see this person in the team all the time. Um, but with a squad as big as Chelsea, obviously that's not going to happen. And, you know, different opponents are going to suit different players and that kind of thing. So hopefully we can have an interesting chat about that today. We can all go away with some good uh, tactical pondering done and be much more prepared after the international break to uh, decipher Emma Hayes' brain, something that's always... Uh, very, very enjoyable task. Um, so I think for part one, Abdullah, what we want to do, right, is we want to talk about what did Chelsea want from a number 10? Because we've got these players who we loosely, you know, say they've got the skills of being a 10. But I guess maybe we need to go even a step before that, you know, even beyond like what did Chelsea want from a 10? But like, what do you understand a, a player who we refer to as a number 10 as being? Oh, the the ultimate question: What is a number ten? And I th- I think I think the definition of a number ten, I think, in my opinion, has, has kind of changed and evolved over the last probably four or five years. I think before a number ten was traditionally someone that would play just behind the striker exclusively in that area, and kind of the player you built a team around, but also the player that almost felt like a luxury player where. 
you'd have to carry them around. They'd be the player that you'd play around. They'd be the player that would do the least amount of running per se and basically be the creative hub of what you would consider a creative hub of the team and and, and kind of behind behind a central striker kind of feeding feeding them and that's traditionally what i what i think it was and and they kind of played between the lines and and whatnot and i think i think now um i think most of the time you you kind of have maybe two three number 10s now but for the most part i think a number 10 now is a bit more of a complete player it's not just someone that provides creative output i think it's always it's it's also someone that provides a lot of off the ball work, a lot of tracking back. I mean, I mean, and and, and now they're probably even used as as as, as pressing tactical uh, triggers and, and weapons. Where you know sometimes they're tasked with with stopping opposition defensive midfielders, number sixes from from building out of their important parts of the team. So you know they are the ones who have been tasked with with pressing players. You know, I I think of uh, Dele Ali on on Jorginho a couple of years ago. Spurs versus Chelsea is, is is a classic example that stands out to me. It's like a number ten just main role off the ball was to, to mark a number six and you know they play between the lines they do a lot of positional rotations they change places so you no longer can really have a luxury player that doesn't want to do anything other than be a creative force or, or almost like a second striker i think it needs to be someone that can kind of do uh, a bit of everything uh which i think is most likely the case in most positions now that's probably my definition of what number 10 was is and probably can be yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it, it's quite a rarefied role in football, I guess I'd say, where, you know, we kind of imbue the 10 with these intellectual characteristics, you know, things like vision, creativity. But yeah, obviously, as you know, and when you think, I guess, about some of the really famous ones, you associate them with just that freedom to do whatever they want. And I think, you know, there is still still a role for that. But definitely within a team like Chelsea, there's obviously it's quite a strict formation. I think we've really seen that this year, maybe more so than before. I think in the past we've maybe seen more fluidity in attack than actually we've seen since we've kind of moved into this 4-2-3-1. And and that probably speaks to some of what Abdullah's getting at there about, you know, what is a what is number 10 for and how has that position developed. Um so I guess it's interesting, you know, Chelsea didn't really play with a 10 in previous years. We obviously we've seen um, Chelsea play with the back three for kind of for the past like season or so. Um, before that, Emma Hayes has used like various. Di- Emma Hayes loves to use different systems, right? And obviously, she always says like the formation thing doesn't matter, but you you can see formations, and there's very clearly Chelsea now are playing in basically a four two three one. Um, so Abdullah, why do you think? What do you think the impetus for Hayes shifting to this system was? I actually think that the ultimate change came when she's obviously experimented over the last season or two in in, in a 343, 3421, and I think all of it was just was I think we can say it came to Penny Lahada, right? She was the one that came in as this big money signing a couple of seasons ago and and is obviously a number ten. And probably I think the idea was, all right, what's the best way we can get the best out of Penny Lahada? And at the same time, leverage the rest of the creative attacking talent that Chelsea have. And I think from going to from a four four two to a three four three to a three four two one, there were just so many systems where it sort of used characteristics of a number ten from maybe a slightly deeper or slightly wider position. Um, and I think in the end, this changed to almost a, a stricter quote unquote four two three one. 
or more obvious one, I think has come as a result of it's Penny Lahara's, you know, supposed last season. Let's try and just get the best out of her in a in a, in a, in a in a more natural role for her as a pure number ten from a positional standpoint and maybe from a role standpoint. And unfortunately, obviously, that's kind of coincided with her injury. But I, I think for me, the the obvious changes come from right we just need to throw everything at this let's just make Panela work as a number 10 and maybe build the team around her this season and and kind of go from there yeah I definitely agree I think I think trying to get more out of Panela was a really really big um result of of the shift I think you know lots of the other players we're gonna talk about can and have played different roles and I think Panilla is someone who can play across in a variety of attacking roles, but I think the the gap between you know where she can be is a lot and and where she is when she plays as a ten is is a lot bigger than maybe for those other players. I mean, obviously, some like we're going to talk about like Elena Kankovic only arrived this season, so we've not really had a chance to see her in a different kind of system. Um, but yeah, I think you know when we talk about other players who. We'd group in this kind of category. Frank Herbie obviously was predominantly used on the right uh, for Chelsea in recent se- seasons. Jesse Fleming's kind of played further back in midfield in a, in a more central role. Um, and harder whether she's kind of been used like, or, like she's been used in so many weird positions in a kind of attempt to, I guess, give her a free role, but it's not really worked out. And I think it was more like this was the idea was that this was an opportunity to really carve out a, a spot for her. I think there are other reasons as well. You know, I think freeing Guru writing up to be like a pure left winger made a lot of sense. You know, I, I don't think Chelsea ever really um, settled on getting that wing back system quite right. Ironically, I do actually think now Chelsea kind of have the centre backs to play a very successful back three. But, you know, this is the thing when you've got a squad this big and you've got lots of different requirements, you move these players about and you move these positions about and, you know, <laughs> you fit, fix one bit of the puzzle and then another one's out of sync. Um, and obviously, I guess maybe the biggest irony of all of this is that, you know, Penelope Hard has now not played since November because she did a hamstring. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that was the idea. Um, that being said, then, what does Emma Hayes want from a 10 in this system do you think i think that's um i mean that's, I, was, I think that's a good question i think emma hayes number 10 i think it's it's a strange one i think what she wants from a 10 is kind of a bit of everything that that comes from what a striker does what a central midfielder does and i think what her uh her wingers want uh, do right so i so I'll, I'll break this down i think i'll go on the ball first and i go off the ball i think on the ball she definitely wants someone who's good with the ball at her feet um, someone that can carry the ball as well as pass the ball and and someone with an eye for goal and 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 be creative and I know I might be stating the obvious here by basically saying everything that 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 this player should be able to do in 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 a position but it's one of those which kind of you know, let's just say Sam Kerr is really good at linking play and obviously scoring goals and finding space the wingers are really good at crossing passing creating chances and a lot of the creativity in terms of the chances created come from the wide areas, which we've documented in past episodes, that Chelsea's system is reliant on the wide players playing well, and their build-up has predominantly, at least this season for sure, has come through the wide areas to Guru Wright and, and, and Lauren James for the most part. So obviously they play a very important creative role in creating the chances, and whether it's through crosses or uh, central passes. And so... 
what the 10 needs to do. And then obviously the eights are both protecting, they press, and they also are distributors and recyclers of the ball, which is why you see a double pivot of Ingle and, and Cuthbert, because while they both have decent range of passing, I think Cuthbert a bit more than Ingle, they both mainly rely on playing shorter passes or more direct passes, but into the wide areas to allow those two to go go freer up. So, and I think the number 10 kind of needs the qualities of all those players that I've just mentioned. It needs to be good creatively going going forward, you know, having these line-breaking passes and, and whatnot. <clears throat> really good at taking up spaces in the in the wide areas and in, in the half spaces to then combine with the with the wide players and in passing exchanges probably needs to be good getting into good positions in the box to be able to score the uh, you know the odd goal and uh, and then obviously be able to, to to play around in those half spaces and maybe create crosses on on their own so and then obviously be able to pr- uh, be able to do uh, all those things and i think off the ball and pressing and kind of covering the first ball, the first phase from the opposition, I think becomes important. I think we've seen a lot of the times that um, Chelsea like to press high and, and they use Sam Kerr as this kind of like watchdog who kind of likes to cover each whoever has the ball and create an angle for Chelsea to go and attack a certain corner. So let's say the goalkeeper passes out to the left centre-back, Sam Kerr will run in an angled, almost like a U-shape towards that centre-back. So the centre-back really has no space to go back can only go towards that fullback and when you trap players in that corner the number 10 and the winger can kind of all converge together and you almost have like a three and one press and then the only thing the opposition can do is either if they're really really good they'll pass it through them into the into the midfield and okay fine then that's that's just really good play from the opposition or it goes long and i think the number 10 in that in that position becomes super important in covering that almost that gap between the, the striker and your fullback or winger and then that that middle space to go through the middle, I think, becomes becomes blocked. And and obviously, like I said, marking out certain players in midfield, and then adding the extra layer of press as as rather Sam Kerr plus one rather than just Sam Kerr, so that that can happen. So I think a combination of those things. And it, it again, it sounds like there's a lot of things to do, and and this this seems like the all encompassing player. But I think I think ultimately. That, this player needs to be able to carry out these things because you know you've got those niche. Uh, skill sets that are built within the squad in the areas uh, around. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that obviously, you know, it is a lot of things for one player to be good at. And I basically what distinguishes, I think, the players we're going to talk about today is some of them are better at things than others. And, and that's kind of why you see them being picked at different points and in different games. Um, so we're going to talk more specifically about the Chelsea number 10s after this. All right, so I feel like there are kind of, yeah, as we said, five number 10s at the club at the moment. Um, Jesse Fleming, Frank Kirby, Jelena Kankovic, and Penila Harder. And then there's also Lauren James, um, who I think we'll come on to in a bit. So I think if we start specifically by focusing on the three who are fit at the moment, although we'll also touch on on maybe what Penila Harder like, brings slightly differently, Um if we start with Jessie Fleming, what? How would you summarize her as a player? Like, what do you think she's good at? What is she not good at? Um, we obviously kind of answered a question a little bit like this uh, the other day in our mailbag. Um, but I think Fleming is maybe the most confusing of the players we're going to talk about today. Would that be fair? I think so. I think I think it's. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like each of these players have their own strengths and weaknesses, but I think out of all of them, and I think the question was asked, and obviously we we answered it, like you said in the other episode, is 
there is no obvious there's no obvious advantage or strength to Jesse Fleming's game. You look at Jesse Fleming and I think a lot of people, I think in us included in the, in the beginning was Jesse Fleming's a very talented player, no doubt. But what does she actually do? Like, you know, with like a, a harder or, or a Kirby you, or a Kankovic even, you can tell, right? Really good creatively, really good at passing, really good at scoring goals or whatever these, these different things are. But, you know, what is it that, you know that that Jesse Fleming brings is is she just like a a a distributor from a number ten position? You don't really need someone like that over there. It's too simple of a role. Is she someone who's an ex a really good ball carrier? You know you've probably got, got better players there. So in my mind, after kind of looking through the, the the footage and looking at the data, to me she felt all right. You're a very you know jack of all trades sort of number ten. Not really good at everything. Not really good at every uh, anything specific. But you're really decent at, at, at maybe a bunch of different things. And I think with Fleming, it's not really what her on the ball brings. I think it's what she brings off the ball that becomes a super important part of her game. And I think that and because of that, I don't think she's noticed um, uh, as much on the pitch. And I think a lot of people question it. So. Let's take this for example. I think with her, the idea is right. You're an off the you're an off ball playmaker, right? And you're someone that's there to purely facilitate Gur Wright and Lauren James and Sam Kerr. Like your literal job is make sure you're in the right places at the right time to be able to just facilitate a passing exchange or run into empty space to pull players out of position so that these players can kind of come in and do their thing and, you know, get the extra two, three yards of space. Because, uh, you know, you look back at, let's take the Arsenal game um, a, a couple of weeks ago on January 15th. Fleming started as a number 10. Uh, and obviously, you know, Arsenal like to play with 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 a couple, you know, with a couple of deep midfielders in there. And I think Leo Volti is probably um, the one that stands out for Arsenal from a build-up perspective, from a defensive perspective. And, and she's she's the one that makes Arsenal tick. And I think it was important for Chelsea to eliminate that threat in order to be able to get everybody to thrive. And, and we saw that Chelsea weren't playing too well for, for a decent portion of the match. And But I think what Jesse Fleming did so importantly in that game was that she just kept making runs in behind Leo Volti's space in and around her, which kind of kept Leo Volti almost preoccupied with having to keep an eye on Fleming regardless of how Chelsea were playing because I think she knew that if she let Jesse Fleming go she's got enough quality on the ball to be able to to hurt Arsenal one and also she actually has a decent perception of, of of space in terms of where to be in the box and maybe get on the end of cutbacks so I think that for me was probably um the kind of the epitome of of, of Jesse Fleming's game uh, from an off the ball perspective and 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 a lot of the times, even in that game, was making sure that when Chelsea were attacking and on the ascendancy, especially when Kankovic came on, it became even more important that she was the one to just almost, in a weird way, protect Kankovic. Because Kankovic was just going to be a bit more of a free free player, hybrid midfielder, play deep, play high, kind of roam wherever you want to roam. But but because the central midfielder had, been, had to give way you needed to protect her because then it's just throwing the kitchen sink in and also could counterattack and probably score a second goal in that game over. And so she made a lot of runs off Kankovic, you know, going into space. I remember a couple of examples of like Leah Williamson being pulled out of position for cutbacks to come in. And and obviously I think the, the goal came from a, a Kankovic um, cross from deep, but I really do feel like it was the presence of uh, uh, Kerr, 
Fleming and uh, Wright and then James kind of all around. But because there was an extra player there, Arsenal had to maintain a man-for-man marking, which then kind of let Kankovic free. Kankovic gets an across. Sam Kerr is amazing at finding space and it goes in. So for me, Fleming's really more about the off-the-ball stuff than it is on the ball. And um, if anything, I, I would say that that's probably where the focus has to be. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And we can kind of see that, right, as she's one of the players who's more likely to play a bit deeper, um, can maybe take on a bit more of a, a varied role. Um, I think she's also... I think It's really important, I think, to say, actually, when we're talking about Jesse Fleming as well, is that she's the youngest of all of these players, but she's also been playing for a really long period of time. You know, she made her debut for the Canadian senior team as, like, a teenager. Um so, you know, she's been, like, going at it for, like, a good eight, nine years, but she's also kind of four years younger than all of the other players we're really going to focus on today. Lauren James aside, obviously. Um, so I think there's also, like, a lot more development um, that can be done in her game, and I think it's, you know, also interesting to think about her within the, the Canadian system. Like, she's often been touted as, like, the heir to Christine Sinclair, but they don't really play that similarly at all. But I think she also takes a lot, on a lot of responsibility within that international team. And they're not really an international team who goes for it, I guess, because of the nature of their squad. Um, and I feel like that's something that's maybe, you know, sometimes feels like maybe with Chelsea that, that she can look to play a bit more safe than some of these other players that we talk about. And I don't think that has to be a bad thing, but I think, again, it's really interesting when we're thinking about this historical perception of what a number 10 is and, and maybe how she differs from that and how that's actually different from us evaluating whether she's good or bad at what she's doing within Emma Hayes' system. Um, that being said, I still feel like there is a level of creativity that other players offer here that Jesse Fleming doesn't quite offer that I do feel sometimes is lacking um, when she kind of takes up the 10 role. I, I much prefer her kind of playing as an eight because I think she can kind of do it all there and she doesn't have to worry about being that extra person in the box or, you know, finding that pass or really like keeping things ticking over. Um, let's talk about Kankovic next. Um, obviously coming in in the summer, she has had like a little injury, some illness. We've not seen a huge amount of her in a Chelsea shirt what we have seen has got everyone very excited. Um, but I think also... So there's kind of been a lot of calls for her to play more. But I think also it's important to recognise that with the injuries, with the illness, she maybe hasn't trained as much as Emma Hayes would have liked in that like longer period in terms of, you know, all of that stuff that we're expecting a number 10 to do. Um, but Abdullah, this is a player who's, like, I think at the base of it, just incredibly, incredibly skillful in that kind of showboaty way, shall we say? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think I think Kankovic is one of those players that um is is very in what the way you put it, skill skill you know, skillful and showboaty in, in a way, but like in a way to show that she's actually just so good on the ball. Like she can do that and you're almost in awe of the skill, the pure skill that she has when she's on the ball. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed when she was playing at Rosengard before she came to Chelsea was there was a lot of her, a lot of her link up passes weren't just like, all right, I'm just going to take a, you know, I'm just going to pass it with the outside of my, of my boot or the inside of my boot. There would be a lot of flicks and tricks and, you know, those types of passes that are going through to players and she'd be able to pull it off. And, you know, being someone who was like that creative hub for Rosengard, obviously, I think she had a, a freer role. And I think she talked about it recently on, 
um, on the Dare Pitch podcast about um, how she felt like she's, she had more space, she had more time. There was a lot more low blocks to play up against in Sweden as compared to England right now. So you almost think that she obviously had the time to think and be able to do these sort of things without being pressured too much, which um, I guess is, is a period of adapt, adapting that she needs to do in England, um, which, she, which she's kind of mentioned and, and, and admitted. Um, with Kankovic, I, I think that you probably have the most creative in terms of a passing midfielder there i think i think in terms of passing and in terms of her uh, her creativity and vision as as we kind of said it before the cliches but i think kankovic is your is your most cliche creative player in there as especially as a pure number 10 um and for me what i really like about her is the fact that she isn't just a number 10 she actually is a what I would refer to as a hybrid midfielder, and it's 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 funny. I I asked her the question as 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 a side question uh, on the podcast. It was, they were doing a question and answer on the same podcast. Their pitch, and I asked her about that role of as as a, as a hybrid midfielder. I said, "Look, it, would you, you know, do you consider yourself someone that's a pure number ten, or do you consider yourself someone that can play that plays maybe starts as a number ten, but actually likes to play deeper and kind of mix it or mix it up in her positioning and movement and." you know, use your creativity from a passing and dribbling perspective. And she pretty much said, yeah, like I look, I, I actually think of myself a little bit more as, as a, a player who may be playing as a quote unquote number 10, but I've got the qualities of a number eight. I like dropping deep. I like being able to affect gains from there. And I like being able to drive forward and kind of play in between the lines. And that for me is like almost like a, a, a perfect, you know, perfect description coming there where she's someone that knows how to dribble. She knows how to pass. And, and, and obviously, she knows how to find space in the box. Those two goals against Reading, I think, were absolutely, you know, summed up her goal-scoring ability. And and I think that the header was which her second goal. She made that late run into the box after passing it out wide, making that run, timing it, going past a couple plays and, and, and passing it in. So I think for Chelsea, someone like, like Kankiewicz becomes a super important um player and and probably I don't want to I don't want to touch on this too much now we'll probably talk about this when we talk about uh, this player later but you know in my mind there is a little bit of a similarity to Penela Hada in terms of the way they both play and I don't know if you can kind of have both there together in the same team I, I feel like there's a little bit of a, uh, a too many similarities in the uh, you know in terms of playing together in the same team. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, I agree with everything that you said. I think Kankovic is definitely a very visionary player. I think she's she's really exciting in terms of her movement and things like that. I think obviously it's um, yeah still early days and it's a big shift when you're moving into a team where there's kind of lots of players who are very creative and are going to want to get on the ball and are going to find space. But I think early signs show that she does that really well. And I think someone who's is going to be really interesting to see develops and you know, not to like spoiler things too much, but I wonder if by the end of the season we'll kind of be seen as the, the bona fide first choice number 10. Um, and that's kind of, well, a bit because of how good she is, but let's move on to Frank Kirby because I think if all things being equal, she would be my first choice. But we've obviously seen that, like, realistically, she just doesn't have the capabilities anymore to play every single game. Um, Frank Kirby is a player who I absolutely adore I think she is ridiculously good kind of wherever she plays on the pitch we kind of saw the resurgence of the Fran Kirby as number 10 
from Serena Beekman and Emma Hayes has sort of run with it this year with the with the shift in system. Um, and I think with the advent of Lauren James as well, having a, someone else play right wing, being able to get them both in the team. Uh, for me, Frank Kirby's probably like standout skill, I would say, is finishing. Um, I think she does everything else very, very well. But for me, like, you know, when we talk about finishers, you know, the idea that basically... There's an idea in analytics that finishing is kind of like a fake skill, in inverted commas, that basically who you think are good finishers are players who get lots of chances and, and kind of eventually put them away. And most people end up, you know, running in line with their XG. For me, Frank Kirby's like one of the few players who I'm like, no, this like girl can just like finish. Um, so how does Fran differ from, from some of these players? Because obviously we have seen her spend a lot of minutes as a winger rather than as a 10. Yeah, it's... It's interesting. I, I think I have to say that I love Frank Kirby. I think, like, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I think in a weird way, and and I, I just want to, I'm going to caveat this right now so people don't take this out of context. I'm not saying that she's underrated in any facet, but I feel like when we're having conversations at Chelsea or even for England, because of her injury record recently and her ability not to be able to play every week, I kind of feel like sometimes people just kind of forget how good Frank Kirby is. Right, like you, you see her for a game. You're like, this is she's amazing, right? I, I, full fitness, there's no doubt. You play Frank Kirby, whether it's as a winger, ten, or, or a striker, or wherever. And like you said, I think the biggest strength that she has is her finishing, obviously. But that where she where she plays, she almost adapts to that position and role and runs with it and does it really well. So whether she's playing as a right winger, right inside forward, number ten striker, she almost brings elements of what the role needs to her own strengths and combines them together in a way that I don't think too many players can do, right? Because that's there's no way, you know, that, that too many players can go play as a striker, a right winger, or a number 10 and keep up that level of consistency and that level of, um, you know, tactical intelligence and acumen. And for me, I think Frank Kirby, what makes her different from everybody else is I think she's she's that jack of all trades but that's just really really good at being a jack of all trades like she's an amazing finisher she's proven that she can score goals an amazing creator has an amazing range of passing we saw that at the euros that she was able to kind of drop into space pick it up play line breaking passes play wide passes she knows how to interchange put interchange play you want to get her up and she knows how to find spaces in the box she knows how to press so i think while there's no real like standout oh she's an amazing passer versus somebody else or she's just an amazing dribbler I, I feel like the strength in comparison of Frank Kirby's she's just amazing at everything the problem is is that she just cannot play 90 minutes anymore uh, every single week and that is just unfortunate for, for for a team like Chelsea otherwise yeah I kind of agree with you like I mean you know you all things equal it's a very very tight you know race between uh, for me between Penela Harder and Frank Kirby because you know, Kirby is just like undoubtedly one of the greatest players that England has ever seen. And and, and to be able to, to get a number 10 like that, who's evolved over the years and still be able to keep up with the modern demands of not what just modern coaching is like, but modern systems and how teams are learning to defend and changing their shapes from three back threes to back fours. I think Frank Kirby is, is just is just vital for, uh, you know, for Chelsea and uh, for the future as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's only a good thing that there are players that can kind of come in and rotate without her. We've seen, like, she's a player who I believe always come, when she comes back from time off, she always comes in at very high level. So I don't think she's someone you have to worry about not getting as many minutes. Um, You know, I just feel like she always really shows up. And I think it's useful for Chelsea if they've got players who can can play without her. Um, Let's just quickly touch on Penilla Harder. Obviously... It looks like she might be going in the summer. She's missed a whole chunk of the season. But do you think it's fair to say that if we've kind of touched on each of these three players so far and what they do best, Panilla's probably the player who does it all very well. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you got you you got you got to agree with that. I mean, I'm looking at the at the stats graph you got going on here. I mean, 99th percentile in all of the attacking metrics in terms of shots, assists, xG, xG assists shot creating actions, touches, progressive passes. I mean, what can't Penilla Harder do? And I feel like that world record bid, that world record transfer was definitely well worth it because you're getting a world-class player. Um, And it's just kind of unfortunate that I wish we got to see the system that's being played now that was supposed to be catered to Penilla Harder in maybe her second season where I think... First season is always about adapting and getting used to the team. And we've seen players like Sam Kerr take time to get in and Panilla is no different. I think that second season where they switched to the 3-4-3, maybe if we had seen a 3-4-1-2, maybe with split strikers that were a little bit wider and let Panilla play through the middle, maybe that would have been something that we could have seen the best out of her. Because, And obviously we were supposed to see this from Panilla this season, but I think just uh, obviously injuries aside, I think with Panilla, it's just, for me, she is the modern number 10. I think she's the definition of the modern number 10, the player that you can truly, one of the very few players that you can really look at and, you know, you can say, we can build a team around you and you're more likely than not to be able to deliver as that standout player. And we saw it at Wolfsburg, um, you know, when she was there and obviously she's come to Chelsea and, and, and we haven't been able to see it. But with Panilla, what I like about her is that I think for me, one of the my favorite parts about her is her progressive carrying ability. I feel like when she gets the ball just outside, oh, the way she drives into the box, you cannot tackle her. Like you, you put a foot there, you're, you're either giving her a penalty or a free kick, and she can just go through and score. And for me, that is just an undeniable skill that I don't think that any of the Chelsea players have, their ability to be able to just go over these shorter distances but be able to keep the ball um, almost like what, what Lauren James is able to do now. Lauren James is a little bit more, and I know we'll get into it, but Lauren James is a little bit more slow. It's like a slow death. She's going to kill you slowly. She's telling you she's killing you, but she's going to do it slow, like a slow poison. Penilla's a bit more like, I'm going to stab you very quickly into the heart. It's game over. You don't even know what's happening. Uh, sort of type deal with her with her movement and, and, her, and her dribbling. So, yeah, I, I mean, I love Penilla, and I, I really wish, and I really hope that we get to see... If it is indeed her last season, I really hope we get to see this swan song finish from Penilla because I really think she deserves it. Yeah, and I do think, it, it, you know, the biggest determining factor of assessing Penilla's time at Chelsea has been just the sheer minutes she's been able to play. You know, like, she managed to get over 20 90s in her, full 90s in her first season, but since then, like, injuries have just interrupted everything and, you know... This season says it all, six matches played, six goals, two assists. And it's a bit like what could have been to see her play in the system. Um, But that's the way things go with injuries. Um, You know, it is what it is ultimately. Uh, Before we just uh, get on 
to kind of wrapping up the, this podcast and talking about, you know, who suits what. I, I want to ask you about Lauren James and, and how you view her. You know, this is a player who, when she was at Manchester United, she did play out wide, but she always kind of implied that her preference was potentially to be a number 10 long term. Um, is this something that you could see happening? Do you think she's going to you know, stay out wide or will this be, as she kind of maybe gets older, we'll see her move into that more central role? Because it's interesting you comparing her and Penilla in terms of how they carry the ball, but that that action in some ways, that ability to drive through midfield, is that is a big similarity between them. And, you know, equally finishing their ability to kind of get to the edge of the box and kind of curl one in is is also, I guess, like quite a big similarity between the two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. And um I think I think with James, if if I had to answer your question up front and then kind of go into explanation, I do think her long-term future is going to be as a number 10. And probably for me it's it's just her playstyle. I think while she's an amazing wide player for now and and being at the age of 21, I think she's able to do it and the way the system is set up, you know, she's able to kind of cut inside and play because you've got the 10 facilitating and then the two defensive number eights that you know uh, we've, we've talked about but I think if you really look at her game I think at the end of the day you 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 probably going into Europe might want someone a bit more like Gura Wrighton but on the right side maybe you could say it's Canarid who does that player who both Wrighton and Canarid have the energy to track up and down the wings, right? We've seen Guru playing as a left wing back, so she is used to tracking back and defending. I'm pretty sure Canard has the work rate and the and the stamina and the movement to be able to do that on the other side. And I think the only reason James isn't playing there now, I think, is just because of the obvious. There's the sheer number of players that are naturally playing there right now. And I think because of the way she drives the ball, like we said, because of the way she's able to kind of move the ball in short bursts and be able to have this passing range and 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 ability to shoot the curl into the top corner i really feel like you she just suits this number 10 position to a t and i know we talked about in the at the top of the show about the luxury number 10 but you look at her now and you think the amount of devel- development she has if she turns out even 60 50 60 percent of what we think she's going to be that's probably one of the very few players you look at and you go right you know what you can be my luxury number 10 and i'll just build a team around you because you're just she's just her ability on the ball to be able to keep it at her feet and to be able to drive and even though she isn't the quickest in terms of her driving it's so difficult to take the ball off her that you can allow her to play in these small pockets of space and tight quarters against sometimes even on a two three v ones and you can you can go ahead and just kind of let her do her thing from there so yeah i do see her long-term future as as a number 10 and that's probably when, you know, Chelsea probably have like maybe one or two of those players left and the team is ready to accommodate, um, you know, Lauren James as, as that attacking midfielder. Yeah, definitely a player whose kind of positioning will be worth keeping an eye on, maybe worth keeping an eye on even in this England break as well. Lots of uh, number 10s in that squad um, and she has kind of predominantly been used out wide but we know Serena likes to kind of come to things with her own ideas um all right so we are going to take another quick ad break when we come back we're going to talk about who suits what and who is the best so just to kind of wrap all of this up Abdullah we've kind of talked about the different advantages disadvantages each of these players have do you feel like the kind of takeaway from all of this is there's always going to be different players used for different games. 
And if so, who do you think fits what kind of games? Yeah, I, I think with the current setup that Chelsea have going out right now and the current makeup of the squad, the type of players that they have, the type of tens that they have, I don't think there is a obvious best option, long-term best option right now because of whether it's injury records, types of players and all that stuff. And I think the way to go and kind of what Emma is doing now is depending on the game, you play that you play that player in the number 10 position. Obviously, we saw Fleming against Arsenal as the number 10. We've seen Kankovic play there, obviously against Reading. We've seen Panila Harder in multiple different games. We've seen Frank Kirby come in on the odd game here, you know, in the odd game here and there. And I think it all just comes down to the shape of the opposition team because if, if there's a team that's playing with a very, very low block, you probably want someone who's really, really good at penetrating it through passing. So let's say you can play Yelena Kankovic against a low block team, right? Her running off the ball movement will be able to do it. You're playing up against a team that likes to keep possession, a team that likes to um, likes to keep the ball and play out from the back. Like an Arsenal, you could go and maybe say, right, screw it, I'm going to go play Jesse Fleming. I don't really care for my ball progression in terms of my number 10. I want someone who's going to run for me for days and be able to do the work that you play Jesse Fleming. You come up against a team that maybe plays a little bit more of a mid-block. Let's say they're playing a little bit more of a... 442 so they they have the central you know the central areas with a 2v you know when you say you go for 2v2 or 2v3 you can maybe then play someone like a frank kirby or Penilla Hada who you know can be thrive on the space between the behind the two number the two number sixes in the 442 and has the ability to be able to drive past and pull players away and pull players in so it is it is very i think it's a very nuanced um uh concept but i think i think for chelsea it just makes total sense for me that you look at the game state you look at the game itself and, and not to mention right I, th- I think we didn't we didn't even touch on this uh at all if not properly is it's not just who starts it's how the game changes over the 90 minutes right you you may start off with a jesse fleming in a game against arsenal for example right but then the game needed a yelena kankovic 70 75 minutes in because the system changed they tossed them on the back foot. They weren't they weren't playing the way they were. And this is going to be the case, you know, against Leon. It's going to be the case if, if Chelsea goes through to the next round, whether it's Manchester United, Manchester City. You know, let's just take Manchester City as an example, right? They're going to, obviously Chelsea have to play them in a few weeks' time. Manchester City usually play with Laura Coombs and uh, Laia Alexandri as their two central midfielders really uh, in there. And one's a bit more of a holder, one's a bit more of a runner. And now... How do you set up for that? Now it really does depend on 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 you know the makeup of the other part, right? If 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 they're gonna play with those two, you maybe want you know you obviously have Cuthbert and 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 Ingle protecting, but maybe you want a Frank Kirby in that game, right? Because you want someone who's gonna be able to beat out someone who's a very heavy marker in Lyle Alexandri, but then maybe also someone that can probably cover and and off the ball press. Um, Laura Coombs, but then also be able to play those quick passes, line, you know, threatening passes in behind the uh, in behind the back line. So I think maybe a Frank Kirby seems like a perfect fit for the City game. Whereas, you know, maybe against Manchester United, maybe you want someone like, uh, you could obviously maybe play someone like Kankovic because while Katie Zellum is, and, and maybe it's Hayley Ladd or, or whoever it is, are really good, maybe they aren't the quickest in the world. So you can afford to play Kankovic, use the off-the-ball runs, play in behind the centre-backs, 
who are maybe a little bit more passers than they are maybe defenders in terms of the the, the makeup of them. Obviously, they're still really good defensively, and they have fullbacks that 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 fly high. So maybe Kankovic fits that game a little bit more. So and then, but if the game changes and one team goes a bit more defensive or makes a more of attacking change, you can then change that and then bring on a Fleming or bring on someone. So I think it's not just the players that start. I think it's the players that come on later that really do dictate how it goes. Okay, and I love this very sensible answer from you, Abdullah. Um, it's very reasonable. Uh, I, I totally get it. I get where you're coming from. But the people want to know, if Chelsea are playing in a Champions League final tomorrow, if we're playing the 4-2-3-1, who are you starting? All right, you got to give me the opposition, though. Um, a Wolfsburg. Let's assume that's uh, that would be uh, uh, presumably the team we're most likely to be to play. We're going Wolfsburg. Everybody's fit. Everyone's fit. No wait. No Panela. Panela's not. No Panela. No Panela. Well, I'm just keeping her out of it. Yeah. Right. I go Frank Herbie. Yeah, that's who I go as well. Yeah, she's going Frank Herbie. I love yeah. her. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know she's obviously just. I think she's the closest one to to having it all, you know. Yeah. And the experience and her time at Chelsea, and she's just got the magic touch when she comes to big games, which isn't like the technical tactical answer that we tried to take you through for the entirety of this episode. But sometimes <laughs> you just got to go off vibes, and Franco B has good vibes. I mean, inevitably would probably come off injured after half hour, and then who would you bring on? <laughs> uh, Kankovic, I guess that's Kankovic. probably my next choice. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Um, yeah. So definitely one to, to keep an eye on. Um, thank you, Abdullah, for kind of taking us through it all. It, it's really interesting, obviously, to kind of understand, you know, these different player profiles. It's really easy, I think, to when you look at a position to feel like there is only one kind of player that fits that. Um, but, you know, as Abdullah has kind of pointed out, there's there's lots of different things these players can be expected to do and that can change depending on the opponent. Um, and it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how Chelsea do develop uh, some of these different players um, and hand how we see them kind of fit into their roles, especially when, you know, Emma Hayes loves to convert a player as well. So I, I expect we could still see uh, people popping up in different bits of the pitch. I personally would love to see Kankovic as the eight with Fran ahead of her. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, one to keep an eye on across the rest of the season. Uh, that pretty much wraps us up for today. We will be back next week to look ahead to the Women's FA Cup. It's a mostly short international break, realistically. Um, Chess players doing quite well so far. Goal for Samka, goal for Johanna Ritten Canarid. Um, so everything looking nice. Obviously, uh, Millie Bright and Eve Charles, Jess Carter all playing later today as we record for England. So yeah, um, plenty to keep an eye on um, for all of the Chelsea players because unfortunately everyone seemed to have to go on an international break. But yes, uh, there's a good Chelsea football back in 10 days time now. So uh, not too long to wait. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>